to, as soon as I get back to my message, there it is, to Acts chapter 17 and Ephesians 1. Acts chapter 17, and then put a finger or marker over at Ephesians chapter 1. Like Pastor Denny said, the title of today's message is Believing for the New Year. Now, this isn't just a New Year's message. This is a new you message, and a new me message. Um, we've all heard it said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and over again and expecting different results, yet that's how most Christians live their lives. They expect something different to happen, but they keep doing just the same thing over and over and over again. So today I want to show you how to be a better you, not just a better you, but a better Christ follower by believing differently. Let me ask you today, what are you believing for? As a Christian, we should be consistently looking for, expecting God's power to not only be manifested in us, but through us, right? So what are you believing for? I'm going to steal a phrase that I heard a little elf tell the first Santa Claus in the, the Santa Claus movie, Tim Allen, at that, you know, it was Tim Allen. He went through all four of them, right? There's four of those. But she said, believing, seeing isn't believing, Believing is seeing. Think about that. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. If you believe the world is entirely evil, all you'll see is evil in the world. If you believe you'll never get out of this hole of debt, Oh, you're probably never going to get out of that hole of debt. If you believe you're married to the wrong person, how will you treat your spouse? Like the wrong person. If you believe you're supposed to have this pain, well, then the pain is what you're going to have. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Hebrews 11.1, 1, we've heard it said that there's the definition of what faith is in Hebrews 11.1. 1. But let me read it to you out of the message translation. It says, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith, faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. By faith, we see the world called into existence by God's word. What we see created by what we can't see. The New Living Translation says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for, what we believe. You can't say you believe if you are not acting on your faith. If your faith isn't showing the reality of what you believe, well, then what do you really believe? 
We, what we see created by what we can't see. What we see is created by, orchestrated by, continues to move by what we can't see. Here, let's look at Acts chapter 17 together. Starting with verse 24. It says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them, the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of them. Listen, verse 28. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, or some translation says stupidity. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. And the word repent means to change the way you think. He commands everyone now to change the way you think. Christ's followers are called believers. Yet we constantly have to be reminded of what we believe. Again, what we see created by what we don't see. What we see created by, orchestrated by, continues to move by what we don't see. Verse 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. God spoke the world into existence. He formed you in your mother's womb. You were fearfully, wonderfully made. He breathed the very life, breath into your lungs. Every bone set in place by God. Every nerve, every vein drawn out like a map. A heart that beats the life-giving fluid to every organ. And then he stretched the skin over your body as a covering. But what you don't see is this verse in motion. In him we live and move and have our being. Allow me to interject some science into our service today. Uh, I'm going to walk very carefully in this because I'm not a scientist. And what I learn, I get so excited by, and I want to just blurt out everything I just learned. But, you know, I'm going to reel it in and try to just share nuggets with you today. If you've been on Facebook, if you're connected with some of the people in here on Facebook, you've probably already seen this video on your phone by Louis Giglio. He was the one that... He shared his testimony about a scientist that came to him and explained this um, protein molecule to him that just blew his mind. Of course, I watched it and I'm like, you know, and let me just explain to you. There is a protein molecule 
a cell adhesion molecule inside you that tells every cell in your body what their job description is, where to go and what to do. And if that wasn't mind-blowing enough, just think about it. It's like the rebar in a foundation. You know, when you lay the foundation, lay in the cement, they, they put in steel bars to hold that in place, that foundation in place. This cell, this protein molecule is called laminin, and it is like the rebar in your structural uh, molecule system. It actually holds all the cells together. It tells them what to do. It binds you together and keeps everything working like it's supposed to. It's called the laminin protein molecule. And if that, like I said, wasn't mind-blowing enough, they actually put a picture out what that cell looks like, and it's in a cross shape. And you're like, oh, that's so neat. No, do you get that? Every cell in your body has to go to the cross to be told what to do. It binds everything together. It anchors everything in your, in your st structure. The cell adhesion molecule that holds everything together in your body, that tells every cell in your body what to do so that you continue to live, move, and have your being in him. It has to go to the cross. To help you see this even one step further, the, the, the things that are created, um, the things that you see are created by what you can't see. I want to show you this video, and I edited this video down from an hour-long video down to just a few minutes so that you can see how these cells have to or do work in your system. Would you just show that video? In the 19th century, when Darwin was alive, scientists thought that the basis of life, the cell, was some simple glob of protoplasm, like a little piece of jello or something that was not hard to explain at all. This perception didn't really change too much until the early 1950s, but in the last half century, our knowledge of the cell has just exploded. <laughs> Today, powerful technologies reveal elaborate microscopic worlds. Worlds so small that a thimbleful of cultured liquid can contain more than four billion single-cell bacteria, each packed with circuits, assembly instructions, and miniature machines, the complexity of which Charles Darwin could never have imagined. At the very basis of life, where molecules and cells run the show, we've discovered machines, literally molecular machines. There are little molecular trucks that carry supplies from one end of the cell to the other. There are machines which capture the energy from sunlight and turn it into usable energy. There are as many molecular machines in the human body as there are functions that the body has to do. So if you think about hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, feeling, blood clotting, respiratory action, the immune response, all of those require a host of machines.
With computer animation, we can enter the cell to view this remarkable system at work. After entering the heart of the cell, we see the tightly wound strands of DNA, storehouses for the instructions necessary to build every protein in an organism. In a process known as transcription, a molecular machine first unwinds a section of the DNA helix to expose the genetic instructions needed to assemble a specific protein molecule. Another machine then copies these instructions to form a molecule known as messenger RNA. When transcription is complete, the slender RNA strand carries the genetic information through the nuclear pore complex, the gatekeeper for traffic in and out of the cell nucleus. The messenger RNA strand is directed to a two-part molecular factory called a ribosome. After attaching itself securely, the process of translation begins. Inside the ribosome, a molecular assembly line builds a specifically sequenced chain of amino acids. These amino acids are transported from other parts of the cell and then linked into chains often hundreds of units long. Their sequential arrangement determines the type of protein manufactured. When the chain is finished, it is moved from the ribosome to a barrel-shaped machine that helps fold it into the precise shape critical to its function. After the chain is folded into a protein, it is then released and shepherded by another molecular machine to the exact location where it is needed. This is absolutely mind-boggling to perceive at this scale of size such a uh, finely tuned um, apparatus, a device that's, uh, that bears the marks of intelligent design and manufacture. And we have the details of an immensely complex molecular realm of genetic information processing. And it's exactly this new realm of molecular genetics where we see the most compelling evidence of design on the Earth. I said earlier that seeing isn't believing, but now that you've seen, how can you not believe? Your entire molecular structure is not only created by God, it continues to live 
and move and have its being in him. That last man on there, that uh, molecular biologist, actually started out believing in Darwinism. He went to school. That's what they teach in school. He went to college. That's what they teach in college. He became a molecular biologist. And he actually wrote a book that most schools still use as a textbook that proves the whole Darwinism and, you know, evolution. Yet in, yeah, evolution. Yet in this research, he was teaching his uh, textbook at a college, and one of the students raised his hand and asked him a question he couldn't answer, and he said he was getting it over and over again. Well, if that's true, where did the first cell come from? That that you saw was what happens just in that one cell. And if we just emerged from a blob, a cell, where did that cell come from? So he said, I had to start going backwards and figuring out, could this cell just kind of bang into existence? And he realized it can't because with our with our research, our resources in the last 50 years, they're able to see down into that cell and see how it all comes together. And there, it's, as, it's as crazy as thinking, he says, just in the DNA strand alone and the makeup of how it all has to be laid together in a perfect uh, code or else it makes nothing. It's like taking a Scrabble box, all those tiles, throwing them down and expecting a sentence to be produced from it. It can't happen. And no matter how many times you do it, it can't happen. And so he actually started recanting his theory, his belief in Darwinism. It just can't happen. And you saw him at the end there. He's like, you know, the more we look at it, the more we just say it, it's in him that we move and live and have our being. And it's through that laminin that continues to keep calling out and telling every microsecond of every day, every cell in your body what to do. Now go here, go there, do this, take this here, take that there, go here, go there. And you wonder, well then how come some people get sick? How come some people, you know, do th this happens or that? It's when we get our eyes off, if I can be so general, when we get our eyes off the cross, when the cells stop realigning themselves to that laminin, that cross, that everything starts breaking down. And I want Pastor Neil to share, he shared with this with me first service, but I want to get it on tape, um, that what science is proving now about that actual breakdown inside of us. Well, there's a cell they have found called prions, and they're and we were singing um, about prison, and they had it misspelled in the first service, and it was prions, and we started laughing. We didn't hear the message yet. But anyway, these prion cells, what they're just finding out is these prion cells, whenever somebody has a virus or a bacterial issue or a cancer issue or anything that's abnormal, that these prion cells are cells that aren't paying attention to the laminin, and that these people have a high amount of these prion cells in their body. And it attracts disease. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. So yes, seeing isn't believing. 
Believing is seeing. And everything that is created, it's created by what can't be seen. But I want to talk to you about believing for the new year. So how do I believe? And it's not just about believing. There is also an action that has to go with it. Again, let me just remind you, everything lives, moves, has its being in him. In him. If we keep our focus in him, if we keep our focus on him, our eyes on him, that's when everything stays in working order. Original design, I call it. The original design. I'm constantly telling my body and every cell in my being, line up to the original design. The original design. Let me just share one scripture with you before we keep going on. Though You've heard it preached, Romans 12, 2. About do not be conformed any longer. But let me just share with you a little bit more, a little bit deeper here. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. And this is all talking about the way you think, the way you think. Because believing for the new year, we have to change the way we think. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. It's talking about believing that you're on your own, that this world is all there is, that you were created with a purpose in mind. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, of thinking like the world, but be transformed. That word transformed is the same word. When Jesus was transformed on the mountain and actually those three disciples he took with him saw him talking to Elijah and Moses, he was transformed before them. It's talking about but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How change the way you think. You're transformed by renewing your mind, changing the way you think. Then... Then, if you do this, then you will be able to test, test, like you would go out and uh, test drive a car. Get into it, try it out for yourself. Test, then you'll be able to test and approve. Approve means to officially accept and promote. So you get in that car, you drive it around. Hey, I got it up to 70 in 3.6 seconds. Is that a good thing? I just kind of threw that out there. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. You'll be able to test and approve. It goes on to say what God's will is. His good, his perfect and pleasing will. Let me ask you, what is God's will? It says his will is that none would perish, but all would be saved. Sozo, completely, all would be completely healed. That means mind, body, and spirit. Sozo means to be completely healed, saved, delivered, set free. That's what God's good, pleasing, perfect will. Change the way you think and you will be transformed. Then you'll be able to test it out. God, your word says, and oh, hey, that's true. And now I can say, hey, I know this because I tried it. It's true. You'll be able to test and approve what God's perfect will is for your life and other people's lives. Your everyday beliefs, your everyday decisions, your everyday life filled with God. A faith that shows the world what you really believe. That's believing for the new year. That's a new you. That's a new Christ follower. Believing for the new year. Change the way you think. In him we live 
and move and have our being. I want that video burned in your mind every time you think, well, I'll just accept this or I'll just accept that. That you see that every cell in your body has to come to the cross and be told what to do. Change the way you think. Remember, you will not receive what you're asking for if you constantly are worldly-minded or double-minded. I've preached this over and over again. You know, you can't start saying, okay, God, I believe you, and then throw in a, oh, yeah, but. Oh, well, that's okay for, you know, Steve, but it will never work for me. Matthew 13, 22, Jesus gave this parable and in it, in the middle of it, he says that there's a seed falling among the thorns, that it refers to someone who hears the word of God, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. When they think in this world is all there is. The worries of this world, deceitfulness of wealth. Oh, I got to work. Eat, sleep, work. Eat, sleep, work. Eat, sleep, work. That's all there is. That's all there is. That that double-minded man actually chokes the word of God, making it unfruitful in his life. Double-minded man. You can't believe God and just think, well, things just happen on their own. I have no control. God's not, you know, God just kind of, you know, poofed us all into existence and then leaves us all alone. Well, that's nothing more than Darwinism with a spiritual label slapped on it. That we're all just accidents out there, you know, take care of yourself, bend for yourself. Change the way you think. Monday I went out with the boys. I had a mother Sunday and well, actually night. After three o'clock, it's nighttime, people. You get as old as I am, it's night. Picked them up at school and they, they had their wallets. They was ready. We was going to football card shops. That's what boys like to do. And, you know, all these other play and go out to dinner. And I told them, I just have one thing. I just have to get groceries before we head back. And I've got a small list. They laugh every time I say that. We'll hit Myers. Well, by the time we hit Myers, it was 830. I'm like, you know, after dinner, which sometimes, I mean, let me just, sometimes we eat dinner at four o'clock. Now I'm really showing my age. Sometimes. But. After dinner, I like comfies on, feet up, relax, and fall asleep in my chair, you know. That's me. So 8.30, we're walking into Myers. I had the heels on all day. I don't know why women do that. We do. Anyway, running all over, trying to hurry up and get done. And we was, you know, trying to get checked out. We got everything. And all of a sudden, I realized I had a little limp going on. And I was kind of, oh. And I was thinking, oh, that pain in my back is, oh, my leg's hurting. And my feet are killing me. And. All of a sudden, all these thoughts that, well, you are old, you know. This is your last year of 40s, and you might as well just accept it. And I'm thinking, yeah, I did. Oh, yeah, I over. Why did I wear these shoes? And, yep, I'm going to pay for this tomorrow. And all of a sudden, I just went, devil, you are a liar. I don't have to accept this. My feelings are not in charge. God's in charge. So I threw my shoulders back, and I stood up straighter, and I started walking faster. And the pain was gone. That fast. But see, we have to change the way we think. When we really believe what we believe, it changes who we are. But you have to not just believe. You have to start acting on that. Because I could have, yeah, I know, Lord, I'm healed in you. But, 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 you know. 
I know I shouldn't have done it. I'm 49, Lord. I'm 49. Remember, you cannot deny a thought that's your own. If you've accepted it as that's me, that's what it's mine. It's it will be your reality. It's yours. So you have to constantly call those thoughts into account. Is that true? Is that not true? Is that a lie? When you're prayed for oh, at the altar over or wherever, you know, over a certain pain or a sickness or an illness, whatever, and the person prays, praying for you asks, is the pain still there? Before your mouth even opens, the voices in your head already start assuring you, well, duh, of course it's there. Your arm's broke. You're supposed to, pain is associated with a broken arm. Or I've had this pain here for 39 years. Of course it's going to be there. Before you even, and then you start muttering, oh, well, it, it's not that bad. But all the voices in your head are telling you, yeah, hello. Yes, the pain's still there. Instead, you need to transform the way you think so that your mouth tells your body what God's truth is. Then it will become your reality. Seeing isn't believing, but believing is seeing. The devil may twist your feelings into making you believe they're facts, but they're not. Feelings are liars. Your feelings and your thoughts are the devil's playground. And I don't know about you, but when I was in school on the playground, I loved playing King of the Hill because I could push people down. I loved it. And you would climb up on this little mound of dirt and King of the Hill, and I don't know if kids still do that, but I know. Anyway. So you... But your playground, your mind, your thoughts, your feelings, you have to constantly keep them down and put them, you know, like I said, call them to account. Is that true? Is that true? Okay, I got this pain, but didn't we sing in that first song, God, I'm healed. Why? Because you said I am. Pastor Neil shared a testimony about this father. I think it was a pastor too. Okay. It was a pastor, had a son who was a paraplegic, I think he was anyway, he couldn't walk, couldn't talk, laying down. Every day for nine years, he spoke life over his son. You will walk again. God has healed you. You will talk. Nine years. And then he saw the miracle. His son not only walks, talks, grew up, got married, has kids. But for nine years, and you're telling me that he never went through any doubts in his mind? No, he had to constantly become the king of that mountain and tear that down, you know, the next day. Could you just, I mean, maybe I'm the only one with a lot of voices in my head. But anyway, you know, to go back into his son's room every day for nine years and speak life over him, I could just hear the battle in my mind if it was me that, oh, ha, 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 big pastor, aren't you? You know, you're preaching I'm a healer, but, you know, what are you believing, really, you know? And when are you going to give up on this? And, you know, when I went through that back pain, I had no idea what, what caused it. I don't know. Don't care, really. It was something from the pits of hell that climbed up and tried to stick with me, and we just had to kick it back to hell. But faith... The acting upon what you believe in was that father going in there still every day for nine years, 
God, I'm healed. God, my son is healed because you said he's healed. He's healed because you said thoughts don't matter. Feelings don't matter. Truth matters, period. Test and approve. When you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, you can. Then he said, then you can. Test and approve what God's perfect will is. Believing for the new year, change the way you think. It's in him we live, move, and have our being. And number two is walking in the power of what you believe. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for, what we believe. Ephesians, the second scripture I had you turn to. Oh, I love God's word. This is so cool. Ephesians chapter 1, starting with verse 11. In him, in him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan, listen to this, to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In him, God does work. It says this, God works everything in conformity to the purpose of his will. What was his will? His good and pleasing perfect will is that all will be healed, set free, delivered. All healed, set free, and delivered. In order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory, and you also were included in Christ when you believed the gospel of your salvation, having believed when you first heard the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You are marked with a seal. Let me tell you, in, in, in king days, the king had a ring. To show his authority, when he decreed something, he put it on and he poured a little and he sealed it with his ring, his signet ring. That was a mark of authority. So wherever that document went, it carried a weight of authority because you, they could see the seal of the king. You, a Christian, are sealed. Sealed. You bear the mark of authority. And it says, and you have been given a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until. Until. Well, a deposit, if you put a deposit on the car, that is basically your car, right? You're all like, well, you put a deposit on a house, it's basically your house. Can anybody else come and take that from you? Not when you have a deposit on it. Once you take ownership in it or possession of it and you step into it, is the deposit needed any longer? No, because now you possess it. You've stepped into it. This deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until, the word says, does not mean I have my get-out-of-jail-free card and this is my ticket to heaven I'm just holding on to. No, it says you have a deposit guaranteeing all the inheritance right now for you to begin using now. You can start driving that car now. 
Because you don't need that deposit. Once you get to heaven, it's all yours. So everything in heaven, he says, in heaven and on earth, as it is in heaven, who? Through us. Deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until. So we believe, we who believe are marked with a sign of authority and given a deposit guaranteeing that our inheritance we can begin using now. So let's read on. Verse 18. Let me show you this. Oh, gosh, this is so good. <clears throat> I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. This is the hope that you know that that inheritance, that deposit you have is your inheritance that you can start using now. It says right here. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Now, in his holy people. Now. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That's what you have. He says, I pray that your eyes would just be open. That you could see what you can't see. That you not only have an inheritance, everything you can begin using now. It's in you. You're his holy people. And you have this incomparably unmeasurable power, great power for us who believe. And he goes on to say that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms. Look at this. Far above all rule and power and authority, all dominion and every name invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him head over everything for the church, which is the body, the fullness of him. What? Who fills everything in every way. Do you understand? Is there anything outside of his authority? The future isn't even outside of his authority. And he said, I've given you all this immeasurable power. You have your inheritance now over what? Everything, because everything is in him. Move by him. You live and move and have your being. Everything created, everything you see is created by what you don't see. It's all under his authority. Everything, everything. And I love how he said even to come, what's to come, even the future is under his authority. Every name evoked is under his authority. So is there anything outside his control? Would you ever have a problem outside his power that he can't take care of? Would you ever have a pain that he couldn't take? Would you ever have an, a situation that he is not king over? Change the way you think and start acting, start believing, start moving in this power that you've been given. Don't forget, everything is under Christ. Christ is far above, far above everything. Just, you can't even say more than that. Everything is everything. The Greek translation, the Hebrew translation, everything is everything. It's like all, it means all. Hmm, that's deep. There you go. So believing for the new year, change the way you think in him, we, everything, everything exists, everything moves, everything moves and continues to move in him, by him.
Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your mind set on him. And again, don't allow your mind to fall into the pattern of the world. Don't allow your mind to become worldly thinkers. So you've got to be, you can't be double-minded. You've got to be single-minded. You've got to have your mind governed by, and I, I like that, governed by Christ. It, it's like that in trucks and in buses, they put that stupid governor on there that won't allow you to go any faster than 55. Well, hopefully they've increased that a little bit more since, you know, speed limit increased. But when I was driving bus, I mean, at one time, I stood both feet, I'm standing on that gas pedal and squeezing all my weight to try to get that. Because, you know, I like passing people. You know, and even in a great big bus with all the church kids, I'm like, faster, you know. And it just wouldn't. You'd get over there to pass and you'd be stuck there forever. It's a governor. It keeps you from going this way, from going too fast. It keeps, let your mind be governed by Christ. James 1, 6 says, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed back and forth. Oh, I feel this way. I feel that way. This person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded, unstable in all they do. Come on, you've all seen those roller coaster Christians. Yeah, I'm all the Yeah, I'm all unstable. Why? They're double-minded. They keep thinking all this world, you know, the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of wealth that said that the cares of this world, the double-minded man. If your mind stay, change the way you think and walk in the power of what you believe. Remember, faith shows the reality of what you believe. Faith and action must go together. James 2.20, faith without deeds is useless. I can assure you the devil is not intimidated by what you believe. Actually, the Bible says the demons believe and shudder. They believe in God. Hello, they've seen him. They've been there. Right? They don't care what you believe. Go ahead and believe the biggest things you want to believe. It don't bother them. But the minute you start walking out what you believe, hell shakes. Oh, crap. Here they come. Because you're starting to act on what you believe. The power. The, they know what power you have. They know what authority you've been given. If they can just keep you believing that, yeah, that only works for sister so-and-so. That's only Pastor Neil. He can only believe that. It's not me because, you know, well, you don't know what I did yesterday. The enemy can keep your thoughts running worldly. And your feelings as your facts. He will keep you immobilized from doing anything. And I don't know about you, but I've lived almost 50 years on this life. I don't want to go out with regrets. You know, Revelation says that when we get to heaven, that he'll wipe away every tear. Brenda's translation on that, I believe we're going to see what we could have been. You know, we were all created with a plan, a purpose. And besides the fact, and I know I've preached it too, that the tears are those that we've lost, 
you know, that we could have reached more, which I think includes that, obviously. But imagine if he threw, threw up a big picture movie of, this is who I created you to be. This is the things that I had planned for you to do. And then this is what you did. Ouch. Hell's not scared of what you believe in. But you want to shape your world, shape the future, let the power of Almighty God that He says He's given you be displayed in and through your life. Start walking in that power of what you believe. Here's a few blessing blockers as I close. Your mind, obviously. Your mind is the first blessing blocker. If you can't stop thinking worldly and, and let your mind be governed by God, again, there's that scripture, you're just going to be tossed back and forth and you might as well forget about receiving anything from the Lord, the scripture says. Remember, keep your mind focused on him. It's in him. It's in him. Every cell stays in perfect alignment when it goes to the cross first. In him we live, move, and have our being. In him everything exists and comes under his authority. In him. Keep your mind. Keep your mind telling your mouth what to tell your body is fact. Truth. Keep your mind set on God. Uh, homework for you. I don't have time to get into it, but Romans 7 through, through Romans 8 gives you the complete scripture difference between the mind that's set on the world and the mind that's set in Christ. That's, that's set in the spirit, that's led by the spirit, that's governed by the spirit, or the mind that's worldly. So look that up on your own. I don't have time to get into it. The Bible says we've been given the mind of Christ, so why aren't we using it? Now, that's stupid. Choose to be stupid, right? If we've been given the mind of Christ, it's like a little helmet. What? We take off and say, okay, now I've got to go do my job Monday through Friday. But you're only going to put on the mind of Christ on Sunday? You're around other Christians. We already know what you believe. When do you need the mind of Christ? Yeah, out there. You know? Why do you choose to be, why do we choose to be ignorant? We have been given the mind of Christ. So if nothing else, if you remember nothing else, when those thoughts start hitting you, which they're probably already hitting all of you right now. Oh, well, that's so-and-so, and that's not me. That's so-and-so. That can't be me, and I've had this pain forever. And uh, Just say, I've been given the mind of Christ. I've been given the mind of Christ. Did Jesus ever display doubts? No. As a matter of fact, I mean, let me just tell you a little fleshly, you know, desire of mine. Is I want to walk up to somebody who's demon-possessed and they're already screaming, Hey, stay away from me! I know who you are! <laughs> yeah, you do, buddy. I'm sorry, but I want to see that. I, like, put that on my bucket list, you know? I'm like, come on, Lord. I want to see that. Here comes Brenda. I want to see that. So start speaking to your mind. I've been given the mind of Christ. And call those, call those thoughts, call those, call those feelings into account. 
Is that truth? Is that God? Did God say that? No, what's God's perfect, pleasing, good will? All would be healed. So is it ever God's will for somebody to be sick? No. But the world and even religion has taught you to excuse away that that you can't explain. And to, well, that must be God's will. I mean, what did Jesus tell his disciples when his disciples pointed out the man who was, was it born blind or born deaf? I can't remember. And they said, hey, God, Jesus, who, who sinned that that man was born that way? He goes, what? Yeah, he's that way, but guess what? God's power is going to be displayed through his healing right now. So yeah, accidents happen, things happen, sin happens. We're in a fallen world. Things happen. Don't get so tied up into why they're there. Start walking in the power you've been given and start saying, I know it's not supposed to stay there. Your mouth. Oh, second blessing blocker. Your mouth. Grumbling and complaining that toxic talk. It just spews out all that black junk. Right? That's a faith builder. When you hear those negative confessions all the time. I mean, I hear it when I pray for people. I'm praying for somebody and I'm believing for them and I can feel the power of God starting to move through them and I look at them and I ask them, you know, the question I told you earlier, so with that pain, how's that pain? Well, but, you know, it's been here 39 years, Pastor Brenda, but, all right, well, you just kind of erased everything we thought we were doing here. When you say but, you are actually defending, you're taking up a defensive stance to defend, to keep, to hold on to your negative situation. Now, does that even make sense? And I think we believe a lot more stupid things because we don't speak them out loud. And I know that was not grammatically correct. We believe more stupid things when we keep them locked in our thoughts. The minute we speak it out, we go, what? No, I don't believe that. You know? So the minute you can speak it out, speak it out. What does God's word say? I'm healed because God says I'm healed. You need to control what you, the words that are coming out of your mouth is like seeds for your future. It's like a harvest for your future. If you're speaking negative, you're going to reap negative. A man sows reaps what he sows, right? It says God cannot be mocked in that. I love it. What you speak, you will receive. What are you cultivating in your life? What's the harvest of your life? You'll hear it from what you're saying. Keep your mind, keep your mouth speaking the truth. Remind yourself, my feelings are not facts. Speak to your feelings and tell them what the fact is. God says I'm healed. Pain will catch up. Keep telling. I was telling them this morning. I was telling myself this morning. You have to go back to the original design. If it's something starts getting out of whack and I start feeling this or feeling that, you know, this way or that way, I always tell them, go to the cross. Go to the cross. Every cell has to go to the laminate. Every cell has to go to that cross in my body to get its job description and get back into working order. But see, the worldly mind says, oh, but you're getting old. But, 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 but. Right? I tell my boys all the time, 
butt belongs in your pants, not on your lips. Your butt belongs in your pants, not on your lips. You know, when you ask them, hey, would you do this? Hey, oh, yeah, but. No. No. Speak the truth. Get rid of the excuses. Speak the truth. The third blessing blocker is taking offense. And I'm going to quickly, I'm, I really am wrapping this up right here. Taking offense. Taking offense with each other and taking offense with God. Taking offense with each other. The enemy loves this. That's like his major uh, weapon in his arsenal. If he can get you fighting with each other, you get your eyes off him. And then he has free reign in the camp. See, if we're really in the army of God and we're all lined up here and we're holding on to our weapon and we're focusing on the enemy and we're advancing, actually, the Bible says. So don't ever think you're taking up a defensive stance. We are the offensive line. Christ is the offensive line. We are the offensive line. So we're moving forward. And could you imagine somebody in the lines saying, I'm just tired of trying. So-and-so hurt my feelings. What would you say to him? Oh, let's all just come around here and hold hands. Kumbaya, my Lord. You know, let's see. Oh, let's just talk to little Susie. Are you feeling tart? No, if you were in an army, right? And you're all advancing and holding your whip. And, and little, you know, Susie over here. My feelings are hurt. You're like, man up. Got a job to do. Well, that's the enemy. You said something again. Say you're sorry. We're done. Let's go. Right? You would not just, oh, let's all just, you know, bickering. If we can bicker and fight with each other, we get our eyes off the true enemy. The Bible even says that we do not war against flesh and blood. So when you do have a neighbor or a co-worker or even a spouse or your child or your parent comes in opposition against you, you have a choice to pick up the offense or go, you know what? They're not my enemy. They're not my enemy. I know who my enemy is. I know what you're trying to do, devil. You're not getting away with it. I'm coming after you. See, I like that. All the Rambo movies just come alive in me. Ha, ha, ha. Coming after you, devil. Right? Don't be fighting with each other. You're, you're just falling into his little scheme. Stop it. And actually, the word says that the world will accept Jesus by how it sees we react with each other. We act with each other. We love each other. Mm. And don't take offense with God. You're like, how can I get offended at God? Actually, Jesus said, blessed is he who doesn't get offended by me. How could we get offended by God? When we hold him to a promise that he never made. Well, God, I ask for my brother not to die who just died. And now that he died, well, it's your fault, God. Is that true? You can't hold God accountable to a promise he never made. Actually, the word says that we're all appointed to die. You know, don't say that at the funeral when your loved one has passed away and you're sitting there and they're like, ah. You're like, hey, God never promised we was going to live forever. Don't say that. Don't say that. But we get offended by God. Or we take up an offense to God 
When we hold him to a promise he's never made, and then we're, well, we'll never believe that again. Oh, God, I prayed for it one time, and I never got the healing, so I'm not going to pray for my healing again. Nine years that father kept going over his son and praying for him. Nine years. I tell you, this is a big battle. Because every day you can get bombarded with those thoughts in your mind. How can you keep believing? How can you keep believing? Look, at God's let you down. Look, at he said he would do this, but he hasn't. So why are you still trusting him? Don't take offense. And then the fourth one is obedience. Obedience. Blessing blockers. Obedience. Not doing what you're supposed to be doing. What father would bless a disobedient son? It's kind of like those of you that give that allowance thing. Anyway, like like you feeding them, giving them clothes and a place to sleep, you know, and heat isn't enough. You want to give them an allowance too. Well, that's all fine and dandy if you want to do that. Put me on your payroll. I'll take some. Anyway, what if they said, you know, those chores things? I, I don't want to do them. I just want my allowance every week. Would you say, okay, I'll, I'll keep giving you your allowance. You don't have to do anything. No. Obedience can become a blessing blocker when we want to grab the promise but not do the if. See, with every promise of God, there's an if. There's an R part. If you do this, I will do this, God says. If you do this, I will do this. We want to say, oh, we don't like, that's a chore. I don't want to do that. I just want the promise, God. Simply put, be doing the ifs that come before the promises. That's obedience. When you don't receive an immediate miracle or healing, your obedience comes in every day, your decision to put down those thoughts and keep believing. Lord, I know what I see, but I know what I don't see is even truer than what I see. Everything is under him. Everything is under his. You have given us this immeasurable power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is in me. So here's your homework for this week. Do a word study. What are you believing for? What are you believing for? Do a word study. Write them down. If you're believing for your finances, you're believing for a healing, you're, you're believing for whatever, find it in the word. Look up the promise. Because sometimes it's easier to look up the promise because there's books galore. I mean, maybe I need to write a book that's the ifs of God. we got a thousand books on the promises promises for the graduate, promises for the teen, promises for the old ladies at home that have nothing else to do but sit promises, promises, promises right? Everybody wants to tell you about the promises, nobody wants to tell you about the ifs. I really think I need to write a book about that but do a word study, find the promises that go for what you're believing and then back up because I promise you there's an if there if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves. If you would draw close to me, I'll draw close to you, God says. Over and over and over and over and over again, the promises. Always, there's an if that precedes that. 
So then look at the if and start walking it out, walking it out, doing it and living it. And it's not about you doing works. It's about faith and works. It's about faith expressing itself through what you do. That's powerful believing for the new year. That's what I want this church to walk in. Authentic walking relationship with God. On display. Seeing your miracle life happen starts with believing. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. And start calling those things out. Start speaking those things. God, your word says that if I trained up my children in the way they should go, that they won't depart and you'll bring them back. Bring them back, God. Bring them back. This side of heaven, I need to see them kneel before you. This side of heaven. Because everybody's going to that side. Everyone will have to kneel. But I don't want that outcome for my other children. God, you said that I can do all things. God, you said that you've given us abundant life. But I'm not going to just hold on to the promises. I'm going to do. I'm going to live the ifs. My part, my faith, my believing, walking it out. Change the way you think. Change the way you think. Before I have you stand, well, actually, while you stand, and I, I, if I can get the altar team to come up front, I want to share a testimony with you. Because again, if I just preached a message and you just shrug your shoulders, oh, that was so nice, and walk out, we've done nothing. Again, hell is not intimidated by what you know or what you believe. It's what you start acting upon. Does anyone in here have a pain in their life, need healing, or know somebody who needs healing? Anybody? Yeah. Anybody know somebody in your family or a friend or family that needs to come to the Lord? Anybody? Are you the one that needs to come to the Lord? Yeah. Then what are you waiting for? What do you really believe? The word says that if we confess, that just means if you talk to each other, you talk to each other, tell them what you're believing for. Then they'll pray for each other and there will be healing. That's a sozoed healing. A set free, delivered, healed, sozo healing. Whatever you need, pray for each other. So, but while I'm closing, the revelation says that we will overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The word of our testimony. And I was corrected this morning. So I, the pain that came over me in October, I actually found a doctor, called a doctor, said I need to get in, I need to see a doctor. The soon as I could get in, my appointment's Monday, tomorrow. Seriously. You know, I, I went to three other doctors, but I got three different diagnoses, you know, three different opinions, three doctors. But the one that was referred to me that said, now they're a doctor that, you know, knows the study of the back, blah, blah, blah. You need to go see them. This was as soon as I could get in to see them. So a couple days ago, I'm like, Monday's your appointment. Are you going to cancel that? Because, you know, I had I got healed. Oh, over a month ago? I think it was over a month ago. Completely healed. Can't explain it. Don't know where to go. Don't care. Back to hell. That's where it went. 
So I thought, oh, I need to cancel that appointment for Monday. What am I going to do? And I got instantly corrected by the Spirit. You know, we say this all the time, that how will they know unless we go? How will they hear unless we sick? Why do we treat doctors like our enemies? They're not our enemy. Then how will they know unless we say something to them, unless we tell them? So I'm paying to go to the doctor out of my pocket tomorrow because I've got some good insurance, you know, that you have to pay all that first. I'm paying to go witness to my doctor tomorrow. So then I can tell her, you know, I had this pain, came over me, went to three different doctors, three different x-rays, three different diagnoses, and none of them, actually, they all told me, you're going to be like this the rest of your life. I'm 49 years old. Well, I was 48 then, I just turned 40. But I'm like, I'm too young for this. And they're like, oh yeah, one doctor even said it's arthritis. I said, arthritis comes on you like that? That don't make sense. And in my back? I mean, I'm a very active person. How does that happen? They couldn't explain it. But I'm going tomorrow to tell the doctor those three different diagnoses. Get those x-rays. Those three x-rays by those three doctors. Because I was healed by God. And I'm going to the doctor to tell her. Because the doctors are not your enemy. But they'll never know unless you tell them. You know, don't just call and cancel your appointment when you get healed at the altar. No, say, hey, I'm coming in so you can, I have documented proof that I was healed. And they're like, what does that mean? You tell them what that means. I had a doctor in Marshall that was a believing, spirit-filled Christian doctor. You know, he would do all of his stuff, and then he, he would, you know, set up here now and set up there He'd take me by the hands and get right in my face a little bit too comfortable and close with that paper gown, you know what I'm saying? But anyway, get right in my face and say, okay, Brendan, now let's pray. And he would begin praying over me. God, put protection over her. Keep her whole and healed in you all the time, stronger than the day before. And he would always close his session with prayer. But they'll never know if you don't tell So don't just, you know... Run from the. I would like a few more doctors in our congregation, wouldn't you? And a little bit more nurses, right, Jody? Because they can tell you that's what they used to be like. Now they're like this. I have proof. So don't don't run from doctor. again. Transforming the way you think. Let me pray for you. Walking in the power of what you believe. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word is activating. It calls us to action. I love that about your word. It's not a novel to just be read and, and, and just talked about. And a, oh, wasn't that nice type of remembrance. No, it's an action. It's a call to action. It's a call to power. It's a call to your glory to be on display in our lives and through our lives for the salvation of all. That's why we're here. God, keep our minds governed by you, the mind of Christ focused on you, Lord, and walking in the power that you've given us. Lord, you are over all things, and you said all power, all authority is yours, and you'll be with us wherever we go. Now go, you called us to go. And what? Heal all. Sozo, set free, delivered, healed for your glory for your glory, for the world to see. 
So right now, if you're here today, and like I asked you earlier, you need prayer for anything, sickness, child, somebody else, you're standing for, come on, let's close this service. I don't want anybody else to leave until we prayed with everybody here today. So come on up, let's pray. These are uh, altar workers. Again, talk to each other. I don't care if you pray for each other. But don't leave until you come up. 